Welcome to the Coffee and Questions podcast. I am your host, Michelle Berman-Michael, and my mission with this podcast is simple, to help realtors and loan officers across the world tap into the value Instagram can have for them and their business. To me, organic business that comes to us is the name of the game. On this show, you're going to hear from myself, other experts across social media, and also others that are just like you selling real estate and doing loans and doing it at a high level on social media. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Coffee and Questions podcast. I am so honored to be about to start or getting ready to start this conversation with this incredible lady. I We met through Instagram through a mutual friend, and I was so excited when she agreed to come on here and be part of my show with you guys. And if you guys don't know this woman by the end of this 40, 45 minutes, you're going to love her because she is incredibly smart, very, very articulate. And uh, I fell in love with her Instagram very quickly, but none other than Miss Kelly Rogers. I'm very excited to have you. Um, she is the original director of movement mortgage for all of Texas, New Mexico, and Oklahoma. She is a powerhouse. She is a mama. She is a business owner. She is all the things. So um, Kelly, I'm so excited to have you here. And if you don't mind, tell our audience a little bit about you. Thanks so much. I appreciate that. What a welcome. Um, So it's first great to be here today and actually get to do this with you to talk about me, who I am. So I've been in the mortgage business since 1995. Um, during that time, I stepped out after I had four daughters back to back to back. Um, and after the fourth one was born, I stepped out and thought I was going to take a year hiatus and it turned into eight years. Um, and so I stayed home for eight years and was the president of the PTA at one school, vice president, at the other school did all these volunteer things. And my husband looked at me one day and said, maybe you could go back to work and get paid for all these things you're doing. So I did, um, came back to the mortgage industry that I know and love at the end of 2010. Um, and really just started over and grew my business, joined my current company at the end of 2016. At that point, um, that first year I did 30 million, and which in my market um, was about 140 families. And then that next year scaled it to 50 million, and then to 85 million, and then to 150 million, um, which was almost 600 families. In the meantime, <clears throat> was growing a team, obviously, that was helping do all of that and investing in them and their growth as well, and leading the market of Houston. Um, and so at the beginning of 2021, when everyone was loving all their refis and their purchase business too, um, I made the decision to step out of production. I gave my business to my daughter who'd worked on my team for six years at that point and stepped into a non-producing role where I my job is I lead the people of Texas, Oklahoma, and New Mexico, but really I serve them. Um, and I try to share the tactics that help make me the producer that I was and create the impact um, so that we can do more things um, for the better of others. So that's, that's me in a quick nutshell. 
first of all, I just got to say, I have one son and the thought of being pregnant again right now and doing it again, <laughs> right back to back is a lot in my head to, to wrap my brain around. So right? to have not just one, but four in a row, uh, major kudos to you. There are days where I sit here and I'm just like, how did I get anything done today? But I did. Yeah, somehow. it is not um, for the faint at heart. <laughs> It's, it's so impressive. And there are so many women I feel like who need to know that they can do it and that they can have careers and do it simultaneously. Mm -hmm. So I think that that's a whole, that's a whole other thing that we could probably spend a long time talking about, but we won't, we won't go down that rabbit hole on this one, but right? just kudos that's to all the moms other podcast. <laughs> Totally. I feel like I should start one of those. Like I should start a separate, a separate one just for, for those types of conversations. But um, the thing I'm really excited about, you, you said something really powerful in that opening, which is it's about serving your clients, right? It's about serving not, not just your clients if you're a producing LO, but also you as a director. Now you're, you're helping grow them in a really servitude way. And that's one of the things that I learned on your Instagram just from consuming. I learned from talking to our mutual friend about you for a long time and just really trying to understand his take on who you were um, before I was able to, to get to know you too. Um, but servitude is in your heart and I can, I can hear it in your voice. I can hear it in the way that you describe even who you are as a person. And um, what I want is, or what I would love for you to do is describe to the audience. When you say servitude, do you mean like, let's get on coaching calls and let me tell you all the things that you need to be doing, or how would you describe what you do as in a serving manner? So for me, serving them is really about equipping and empowering them to do what they were created to do. Um, and I'm a big believer in not only knowing the people that you are serving, but also helping them understand who they are. One of the things that I do um, is we do disc assessments um, because I think a disc assessment probably doesn't tell you anything you don't already know about yourself, but it certainly does make you aware of, of who you are and it validates who, what your personality is. I also am a big believer in knowing what your love languages are. Um, and if you know that, and if I know that about you, then I know how to better serve you. I know what's important to you, what you value. But knowing someone's DISC assessment helps me understand how do I speak their language? W what are they really motivated by? And how can I help them grow? And every person's different. I think I learned that from having a larger team and then also having the market of Houston was every single person had a different personality. They had different life goals and different business goals. Not everybody wanted to be the $150 million producer. There are a lot of people who want to be a $15 million producer, and they are so happy to be doing that. And so it's learning those things about each person that you're leading and serving and helping them develop into what they're wanting. Um, one of the big things that we would do, and I still do, is a, a vision retreat. I want people to know, what is it that you want to do? What do you want to do a year from now? What do you see yourself doing five years from now? I even, when I'm talking to people who want to join us, that's one of the first questions I ask them. 
where do you see yourself five years from now? Not professionally, personally. What's important to you? Because when you learn those things about people, then you learn how to serve them. You learn how to lead them and help them get to that point. So absolutely, I can teach tactics and I do a lot. I will, I'll do a coffee with Kelly, which is similar to what your title is, but I'll go into town to one of our markets and schedule a coffee with Kelly and take every loan officer um, that wants to attend. So sometimes we'll have five, sometimes we'll have more, 15. Um, and it's sitting down with them. And my whole purpose is to spend time with them, but it's also to bring one tactic that can help them grow their business and grow their influence in the space that they serve. So I think it's a lot of things, but it all starts with knowing your people and knowing what their goals are and their vision is. I think that it's so special, right? When you can actually serve somebody where they want to be served. And I think right. the love language thing, even in like marriage, right? If you know how the other person <laughs> operates, like you can be a better spouse. And I think it's very similar to how we lead people, right? I mean, I have three mm -hmm. full-time employees and I don't even, I hate the word employees. Like I think that mm -hmm. that's a terrible word because I, right. I just don't see them as that. I see them as people who were on this train together and we're trying to grow and build this thing together. Um, and so I love the way that you describe that. And the one thing about this assessment is, cause I have, I have all of my new employees they have to go through that when they onboard. Mm -hmm. And what I really think is cool is, as you said, they're not necessarily learning anything that, that they don't already know. But mm -hmm. I think what it really does is, at least for me, is it spurred conversation, right? It created opportunity mm -hmm. to have conversation about things that were popping up. Um, you know, maybe one of the things that they don't like doing is uh, confrontation and then it lists out like three or four different types of confrontation that they don't enjoy, right? And it mm -hmm. kind of breaks that whole thing down. And with with that, when you're trying to lead somebody to be who they want to be in five years, if you know how they operate with those things, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. it makes conversation easier. It makes when there is conflict, like it's a lot easier to overcome. Um, mm -hmm. And I think with the loan industry right now, uh, it's crazy, right? You and I both know like people are retracting their business or their marketing for their business. They're retracting extra expenses. They're, they're trying to do what they did initially when COVID first happened. And I certainly noticed mm -hmm. that being on my side, right, is that people were just like pulling all their money out of their marketing. Um, so this is an example of like, if you know how somebody operates, like you can talk to them about why that isn't what they should be doing. And I think that that right. leads me to our big topic for today, which is um, ultimately, how can we grow our business even in what feels like a contracting market? Um, mm -hmm. And you said something brilliant in the video for anybody who's not following Kelly on Instagram. Instagram, real Kelly Rogers, go watch this video that I'm talking about. But you said, let's not confuse success with a tailwind. So I'd love mm -hmm. it if you could dive into that, speak to a little bit more into specifically what you meant by that and how that ties into dealing with all of the things that we've been talking about thus far. Right. So first, I'm going to say one thing. You said something earlier about people who are wanting to slash their marketing budgets. <clears throat> now's the time to double down. <laughs> I can't Amen, say that sister. enough. If you have marketing efforts that are working, don't stop. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
Now, back to your question. Uh, don't confuse success with a tailwind. I think so many people over the last two years, 2020 and 2021, have had great success. And I look at data a lot because I'm a data nerd. And you look at people who had monster numbers in 2020 and 2021, and a lot of it was related to refinances. Not everyone's. Um, but a fair amount. And we also had a very strong housing market. And so you had people out buying more homes and you actually had homes available <laughs> to purchase. Um, and so you have all these things that it created the perfect storm in a great way for these people to be successful. They didn't have to have as many systems in place. They didn't have to follow their processes every time because business was just flowing in. Rates were low um, and, and it was a lot easier. And so you have this tailwind that's created by the market itself, not because of your own efforts. And I see many of those people right now that are struggling. They are wondering that they, I hear lots of them saying, well, you just, you can't get it done right now. I mean, we, we have all these creations or we have all of these leads coming in, but we just can't get people under contract. So it's just, it's a bad market. And the reality is it's not a bad market. You can still grow in this market and I'm watching people do it. And it's because they're focused on doing the things that truly lead to success. They're not just riding that tailwind and reaping the benefits of what happens to be a great market. The true sign of success is when you can grow no matter what is going on in the marketplace. That's in any industry, in any time frame. And you, you see companies that have done it. And then you see people that have done it in 2018 when companies were laying off people. And I think almost every mortgage company did, ours included. And um, we still had loan officers, myself included, that grew their business. I think 2018 was the year that I scaled my business from 30 to 50 million. We literally did helped 50% more families in 2018 than we did in 2017. And it was because we were focused on the process and we were focused on the relationships and that's critical. So I, I, I think, think that you can, I think you can absolutely grow. Um, and especially this year, the opportunity is there if you're willing to do the work and take the risk. I love what you just said risk, because that was pretty much where I was about to go with this. And I talked to real estate agents, loan officers all day every day. And, and that is who I hear the good, the bad, the ugly, all of the things. Right. And, and I don't know if this happens to you, but I also think we're like part-time therapists for these people as they're going through their careers, you know, in a loving we way. We're a therapist um, slash coach. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And I love it. Like, I really do love it. I love being able to help people understand that it's okay to feel what they're feeling, but it's not okay mm -hmm. to sit there and to stay there. Uh, mm -hmm. Most importantly, um, but you, you kind of prefaced it, right? Double down. And if you created systems and processes and a mm -hmm. tailwind, 
isn't actually a tailwind, right? It's, Mm -hmm. it's truly real growth. Um, and I think Mm -hmm. we experienced this during COVID. I mean, I, my business almost, I think in from 2019 to 2020 was 47% year over year, which is Mm -hmm. ridiculous, right? Like that's Mm -hmm. insane, but that wasn't because I just happened to like talk to more people that year because all the real estate agents or loan officers were stuck at home and not going out and doing what they needed to do as far as getting contracts. Um, it was because I, I understood how to create a system and a process that was replicable irregardless Mm -hmm. of the season that we were in. So when you're talking to a loan officer, Kelly, like let's pretend that I am, you know, Michelle, Michael calling you saying, Kelly, my business is just totally taking a crap. I, everything is slowing down. I don't know why. Can you help me? What would you say to somebody that calls you like that? So I have these conversations and they're in that situation. And then they're also when somebody's just, I want to grow. I'm just kind of staying where I'm at. And so the first thing that I do, I have a list of of things. Um, We set up a deep dive. And in order to do a deep dive into someone's business, you have to know what's going on in their business. So it's talk to me about how many leads are you getting each month and how many um, closings do you have? And tell me about the relationships of your referral partners and go through all of these things. Talk to me about the people that work on your team. Is it just you? Do you have um, a partner that works with you? Do you have an assistant? Who are the people? And show me their disc assessments. And let's talk about what they do. And so we literally dive in to find out where are the holes in the process, because in every sales cycle, whether you be a loan officer, a realtor, no matter what you do, there's a process that has to be gone through and understanding your conversion rates. Big shout out to Chris Smith at Curator for writing the conversion code, one of my favorite books um, when it comes to understanding our business, changed my mindset on how to take care of my clients that were referred to me, but understanding what that process looks like. That's what I want to break down to is when you get a lead, what are you doing with it? And if you're, when someone refers you someone, what does that process look like? And then what's your conversion rate? How many of those people that are referred to you, do you get pre-approved and how many of those people do you get under contract that go with you? And then how many of those do you close? And if you can break that down by month and break down by realtor or by, by builder, whomever's referring it to you, then you start to get a real understanding of your business until you do that. You're not running a business. You may be closing loans, but it's not really a business and it's not a huge leap to go to that place where you actually keep track of that information. And I don't think a lot of people know how to do that. I don't think people take the time to do that. Most importantly, right. I think people find excuses or reasons why I'm so busy. I need to like, I'm more focused on if a loan app comes in, paying attention to the loan app, Okay, well, if you want the loan apps to keep coming, then there has to be a system and a process behind what happened when you or what made it possible for you to even capture that. 
Um, exactly. I have a, I have a really, I think you'll love this. And I'm curious what your take is on it as far as how you would apply it to your LOs. But I have mm-hmm. a process for um, the loan officers that I work with when it comes to helping them implement a strategy for social media, where mm-hmm. I make them look at their last 10 transactions. I want them to write down everything, good, bad, happy, sad, all of it, right? I also have an entire column for the um, brokerage and realtor, if that's where the lead came from, that you write it down, right? So you know exactly who the referral partner of yours was. And then Mm -hmm. a column of where did the lead come from? And if you say referral, then there's another column that makes you take it one step further, which is, Mm -hmm. okay, where did the referral come from? So was it the fact that, as you said, you're the PTA president or um, you know, if you're me, like I happen to be married to a gentleman in the military. So we have a lot of families um, and other wives that are around me that are mm-hmm. military wives. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's a, a really big network that kind of, I fell into on accident when I decided to marry my husband. Um, but building that tracker out when it comes to creating connection and relationship and diving deeper mm-hmm. into being the resource for your referral partners on mm-hmm. social media, I think is so mm-hmm. freaking huge here yes. because I don't care if you're an old school agent. I don't care if you're an old school lender. I don't care if you've been a lender for five minutes or 20 years. If you're not connected to them, I think the, the saying goes like three touch points. Like you have to have at least a minimum of three touch points in order to, to keep that relationship strong. Mm-hmm. I think you said it best in the video is you're doing your clients and your vendor partners and your strategic partners a disservice, right? Mm -hmm. If you're not on social media and you're not interacting, yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. I think that it's critical for us to be on social media. I remember when I hosted my first social media class back in the beginning of 2011. Um, So it's been 11 years ago. And we certainly didn't have Instagram or anything like that. Um, Snapchat or... (laughs) Um, TikTok. Do people even um, use Snapchat anymore? I don't know. <laughs> I never really mastered it. I did like their filters though. <laughs> but it, you are people, your social media presence is the website of five years ago. You and in five years ago and beyond, when people wanted to know about you, they would look you up on your website. Now, if I want to know something about somebody, whether it be a restaurant or a realtor or anyone, I go to Facebook first and search them. And then I go to Instagram and search them. I want to know what are they doing? Who are they? What's their company? And, and what kind of presence do they have? Are they engaged? Are they engaging? Um, what, what are they for? That's so important, um, especially if it's somebody that I'm going to choose to do business with. Like in, for me, if I were looking for a realtor, which I wouldn't be because I know so many, <laughs> but if I was a client who was getting ready to sell my house or buy my house, I wouldn't go to Zillow. I would go to Instagram and look to see. I would also ask my friends. And when my friends told me someone, I would be on social media looking up that person and seeing if they were someone that I wanted to do business with. If they look like they were professional or if they hadn't posted anything since 2017, which just happened, by the way. I just had to look someone up yesterday. I was like, what? 
Not good. What is this? Not good. <laughs> um, or if you're private on Instagram, um, then more people can't find you. And so what are you doing? What, what are you hiding from? Especially if you're a business professional, but that's something that I am definitely passionate about with our people is be on social media, be active. That's where you connect with people and you connect with the world. I can't tell you how many referrals I've received because of social media. Now, notice I didn't say that they came just because of social media. Sometimes that happens, but people mm -hmm. get to connect with you. you. You become their friend when they're constantly seeing you on social media. Um, it was important to me as I was wanting to scale my business, and especially when COVID hit, but even before then, I always made a point to connect with 50 of my referral sources every single week and had 15 face-to-faces and five meals together with people and then wrote out 20 thank you cards and or birthday cards every single week. And I wanted to figure out a way to replicate myself. How can I do that? Social media was my friend. I remember I had a boss that seven years ago, eight years ago, who just blasted me because I was on social media. You're on that daily. It's such a waste of time. It's like, mm. what? No, this this is where I get to connect with so many people. I Houston, where I'm from. Yeah, where I'm from and live is the greater Houston area. It's massive. Um, mm -hmm. To drive from one side of Houston to the other is an over an hour. And this way, north, south, east, west, anywhere that you want to go. So there's and there's so many opportunities. I figured, how can I replicate myself and get in front of more people? It's through social media and I can keep up with people. I know what's going on. I know if somebody got a new puppy. I know, it, and that gives me something to converse with them about. I know if somebody is pregnant, there's so many things that are shared on social media that aren't shared other in other mediums. I remember when I got engaged several years ago, my friends were annoyed because I posted it on social media before I told them, but it, you know, I got a new ring. And so I posted it and was so happy about it. Um, so yeah, I, I think that social media multiplies who you are in your marketplace. And it also gives you the opportunity to connect with more people and be a part of their lives. I really think, have you ever read the book Multipliers, Kelly? I think you probably have. I haven't actually. Who, no? I, I'm gonna have to oh my now, God. I'm definitely a reader. <laughs> Uh, and I have to apologize for my crazy dogs in the background. Uh, the Amazon person just decided to show up. Awesome. Uh, per usual. For those of you guys listening who work from home, you all know exactly what I'm talking about. That's um, awesome. But I wrote down, I wrote down one thing that you said, and you said, what do you do with your leads? And this was the initial kind of tipping point yeah. of this conversation, right? You said, what do you do with your leads when they come in? And then I kind of deterred us a little bit towards tracking them and writing things down and really documenting the process of where that person genuinely came from. Um, and 
I want to go back to the conversation we that you had started by saying, where do you get your leads from? And then what do you do with them? Um, and this ties into this social media conversation, because I believe that when you get a lead, it is your duty, if you will, to do your due diligence on that individual, whether that's a realtor partner, whether that is a vendor partner, whether that's a financial planner, an attorney, whoever the, the lead source is for you, right? Maybe it's direct mm -hmm. to consumer. It very easily could be. Um, mm -hmm. But I, I just, I feel like it's, it's on my heart to say, we have to go back to what are we doing with the lead? Um, and mm -hmm. Kelly, can you dive into your process if you're coaching a loan officer and, and they say, I, I don't really know how how many leads I get, Kelly? I maybe fifteen a month. Like I'm not really sure. I'm trying to grow that, right? What would you say to them? And I am um, deceased I, when I hear that. <laughs> <laughs> it kills me, and I hear that. I hear that from people who are closing fifty million a year. Oh, Kelly, you're going to be so mad at me. I don't track my leads. I don't know where my leads come from. I don't have a system. Like. Do you understand what a disservice you're doing to your referral partners? Because knowing where your leads come from is huge. So what does that process look like? So there are many ways we can get a lead. Someone may text us. Someone may call us. Someone may make a, send an email and provide us that information. First off, you have to define what is considered a lead. A lead is when you have someone's name and their contact information, whether that be an email address, email address, or a phone number. Those, that's what defines a lead. And so you also have to have a way to track those. And I've used a lead tracker for, gosh, almost a decade. Yeah. Um, and it started off as this clipboard I would keep on at my desk with a piece of paper clipped to it that had name, phone number, email address, referral source, and of course the date. It, it was a pretty simple and straightforward thing. And it sounds crazy, but it worked. Um, and my, I remember back mm -hmm. then my goal was to get to 25 leads a month. And I would have been happy as a clam. Um, and so that evolved over the years. I created a, a Google sheet. Um, it became an online spreadsheet so that my team and I could both have access to it. Um, but it then was there having more information um, on it. But the key thing was when a lead came in, immediately contacting that person Um introducing yourself, having almost a script of what you say, not necessarily a script, but having that know what you're going to say to them, give honor to the person that referred you, referred them to you, um, and then getting them to apply and, and setting up a time for a consultation for later on. Um, and then also adding that information to the lead tracker and immediately following up with your referral source, letting them know that this person's reached out or I've communicated with this person and this is where we're at in the process. If you don't get a hold of that person, if you're if someone gave you their number and your job is to call them until you get a hold of them, it's letting or your no. referral partner know. 
every single time that you reach out to them. Hey, Michelle, I just wanted to let you know, I've reached out to Joe. I haven't heard back from him, but I'm going to try him again this afternoon. Thank you so much for your trust. It's super easy. And, and you have a system where you check that off and you do those things with your leads. You also have a system. I always said as a lender, we were our realtor partners inside sales agent. Every Thursday morning, we would send a lead status update that we literally would snip from our spreadsheet and let them know where every single lead was in the process. Um, and they knew that they would get that from us on Thursday mornings. And when they know that, it reminds them, oh yeah, I sent them Jack and Jane. I need to follow up with them. Because most, there are a lot of realtors, I won't say most, there are a lot of realtors and a lot of lenders that don't have a way of tracking their leads. And so if I'm tracking them, then I'm helping you, my referral partner, track your own business. So I think knowing that and, and keeping track of that information is huge. We also would take our lead tracker and every morning had an assistant that she would go through and we knew what our conversion rate was. And we knew not only what it was overall, but we knew what it was by referral source. So if we had a real estate group that we worked with, we knew if we were getting 75% of the people to apply or not. We knew exactly the percentage of applications versus leads. Because if you know that, then you know the quality of the lead that each referral partner is sending you. And you know, maybe I need to coach them. Maybe I need to help them be better at referring me or you also have the opportunity to find out where are their leads coming from? Are they warm? Are they coming from relationships? Or are they, are they buying their leads? And I can tell you after about two weeks of working with someone, the source, the general source of their leads as a realtor, because if they're buying their leads, the conversion rates are just awful. So as yeah, compared to a warm lead. So... Does that answer your question? Absolutely. Like more than I even expected. <laughs> Probably more to, than you wanted to, to get. know. <laughs> no, in a, such a good way. And here's why, because I think this ties into the last main piece of this conversation. And, and I totally wholeheartedly believe we could talk for five hours, but I don't think anybody wants to listen to us probably talk for five hours. Um, right. But having the lead source really identified is so huge. And I, I was on back when clubhouse was a really big deal. I think everyone mm -hmm. listening to this at some point spent some time on clubhouse. Um, mm -hmm. and there was a gentleman, I will never forget this. So I was a moderator in one of these rooms or up on stage, right? Whatever they called it. Um, right. and they were asking me about Instagram ads and what the validity of doing an Instagram ad was as compared to a Facebook ad right? What's the benefit? What's the, the pros and cons, the cost analysis, you know, yada, yada. Mm -hmm. And I said to the guy, that's the wrong question, I think. And he goes, well, what, you know, what do you mean? And, and I said, the question isn't whether Instagram ads or Facebook ads are better for your business or which one's going to convert higher. The question really is, what is your content saying, speaking, showing um, that makes or would make the lead stickier, right? So you could spend the mm -hmm. same amount of money 
on a Facebook ad with like, let's say you spend a hundred dollars on a Facebook ad and you spend a hundred dollars on an Instagram ad, right? Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter where you spend your money. If the platform doesn't have anything on it to back you up, right? If there's nothing um, in the form of context that's going or content for that matter, that's going to make that person say, I, I saw this person's ad, I went to their account and it just validated my thought about them or it validated my decision to want to reach out to them. Right. And so you said that like when somebody reaches out and you have a lead, where did they come, where did they come from? And then you give them the checklist of all the things to do with the following up, making sure that you're touching point with the referral partner and going down that list. And I would really say that before you contact the person that is supposed to fill out the application, taking five minutes, taking 10 minutes to go look them up on social media would Mm -hmm. change the way that you did, like you did every sales call for the rest of your career. I wholeheartedly Mm -hmm. believe that. Um, Mm -hmm. Because if I can go to somebody's social media and I can see that you have a dog named Champ, that you live in, you know, the same neighborhood that my best friend lives in or lived in growing up, um, or, oh my gosh, you live five minutes from my favorite coffee shop. If you can have that context when you get on a sales call with somebody or when you call somebody and say, hey, John Doe referred me or had referred you to me uh, and I'm so excited to connect with you. And before we even start, I just got to tell you, if you haven't had the honey lavender latte at the coffee shop down the street from you, it's my favorite, mm-hmm. right? If you can say something like that and take the time to make them sh- really feel like you even care about them as an individual, not just you want their business, your sales mm-hmm. calls will not feel like sales calls. They will convert exponentially higher and people will really, really like you and want to keep referring you to other people. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's my long-winded way of saying like, who cares where you spend your money on ads if you don't have any presence whatsoever. And if you don't have right. any context around who you are as a person. You're wanting to attract people to you. Um, and you want to attract people that value who you are. And if you're on social media, you have the opportunity to do that. And if you're running ads and just like what you said, if you're running an ad and then someone gets onto your account and it's cat pictures, which there's nothing wrong with cat pictures, but if you're a mortgage lender or you're a realtor who specializes in a specific area or a specific neighborhood you want somebody on your social media that sees that you don't want them to see all of your Facebook posts about my new listing and this is my closing and this is this. They want to see value. And a lot of times I think we overthink what is value for them. Um, Value for them is letting them learn things about the neighborhood. I love, love, love When I see a local realtor that goes and does, takes a video and goes through a model home or goes through a neighborhood and talks you through it, because that helps me see those things. And if they have, if they're running ads and somebody comes to their page, they see someone who is engaged in the community, who is doing something. I think that the way that I really started to see the value of social media was when I, I I was pretty involved in 
philanthropic things um, and would go to events and we would post those pictures on social media and you didn't, I was shocked at how many people would engage on those photos. They were so excited that we were doing a fun run for Meals on Wheels or we were doing a gala for this event or we were at a, the grand opening for Nordstrom. And, and when you start to do those things, people see that you're engaged in the community and you really gain friends and followers. So, and, and you're showing value, huh? I would say trust, right? I mean, that's, yes. that's a huge part And that's of it. what like, every single person who is in, who's in business and on social media, that's what you want. That's where the equity is, is in the trust that you can build. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's so powerful. It, being a real human, being an authentic human, being somebody that mm -hmm. actually does things and doesn't just take selfies, you know, yeah. or doing, here's my least favorite, well, two, two of my least favorites. One, uh, the flyers that you get from like your stock marketing material, taking a screenshot yes. of that and putting that on social media, like the infographic right. epidemic yeah. is what I like to call it. Um, yeah. that is not content, nor is that going to make anybody trust you, right? It's just yeah. your face slapped on some valuable information. That's, it's valuable. I'm not saying it's not, but it's not meant right. for social media. Um, Correct. The second thing that is a huge problem, and I I don't think people understand that it's a huge problem, is the glamour shots from your branding photo shoot. If those are the only pieces of content that are mm -hmm. of your face that you ever post, mm -hmm. your account is nothing more than a giant billboard, right? right. It is. You, people have no idea who you are. People have no mm -hmm. idea what you actually enjoy doing in your free time. People don't mm -hmm. have any connection with you. And the funnel of how social media works is we create connection first and foremost, those connected connective pieces, like you were mentioning the philanthropic stuff and going and doing mm -hmm. um, different events. Or um, I saw on this morning, actually on the news that there's a gentleman who's running 76 consecutive marathons in a row from one like a uh, war museum to the site of a new war museum. And he's a, a veteran, somebody who supports um, this veteran organization that basically builds houses from scratch for people who have uh, been medically retired due to injury. Um, what an incredible story, right? But those are super connective types of pieces that you could be putting out there that spur conversation. And it's out of the conversation that you have that mm -hmm. creates conversion. It's not, here's how beautiful my Instagram is. Yes, branding is important. I'm not saying it's not, mm -hmm. but it's not about that in theory, right? right? Um, exactly. If you never post piece of content with your color scheme on it ever, you can still get a ton of business off social media as long as you yeah. are willing to create connective content that serves conversation. So, right. um, absolutely. That's, that's kind of like the, this whole thing, right? Mm -hmm. Um, and so Kelly, I do really want to be a good steward of your time. And I know, um, you're a very, very busy lady. So I super appreciate you spending time with me, but I just want people to know how can they get connected to you? Um, I know I've referenced a lot of your content and I want people to go follow you on Instagram at real Kelly Rogers, um, first and foremost, because she's amazing guys, but, um, Kelly, how can people get a hold of you? What's coming up next for you? If we wanted to get you know, connected or into your network, if you will, um, what does that look like? 
um, and, and just tell people kind of how, how, where can we go from here? Absolutely. So you can find me on Instagram, Facebook, or LinkedIn at Real Kelly Rogers. Um, can search those and, and that will take you there. Um, we are hosting events. Um, I am all over the state of Texas, Oklahoma, and New Mexico, um, visiting all of our markets, growing those markets, hiring new loan officers to join Movement Mortgage, which is who I work for and with. Um, but if you connect with me on social media, I will be very intentional about connecting with you. Um, it's important to me that I, I'm not that person that just wants followers to have followers. I want people, I want that connection. I think that that's important. I look at social media as a gift. It gives us the opportunity to connect with more people and that's a blessing. So. And I can attest to if you send Kelly a message, Kelly is the one that returns the message. What a brilliant yeah. idea, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, I, if you have an automated bot system that's returning your DM messages on Instagram, please stop paying for it. Like as of right now, um, you need to be the one returning your messages. And this woman will return your message if you decide to reach out to her. Um, yeah. So Kelly, thank you so much just for being you for pouring into my audience, into my people. And I think we're going to have to do this again because there's just so much more uh, that we can talk about and, and so many more things that I think need to be talked about for people um, and some that they may not want to hear, but we're going to have to, we're going to have to have that conversation. So Kelly, yep. thank you. Absolutely. It was a joy. Thanks so much, Michelle. Of course, we will see you guys in the next episode of Coffee and Questions. And of course, if you love this episode, please go connect with our guest, Kelly Rogers, and do not forget to subscribe. And if you are feeling so inclined, please leave us a review on the podcast. Thanks, guys. If you enjoyed this episode, please go follow my guests on social media. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please consider leaving us a review wherever you consume this content.